So yeah, we're gonna see some stuff. Pink princess crown. That's a teddy bear. <laughs> What's that? A bottle? Could it be a message in a bottle? It could be a message in a bottle for sure. We're gonna, you know that's gonna happen someday. Oh man, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I can't beat Feta, so. <laughs> Why is it always a competition between you and Feta? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> but it actually is, eh? I know. Yeah, it actually is. Now, sorry, Dan, I'm just like... No, you're, you're no, the host, you're... man. I'm, it's your show. I'm just, I'm just here for fun. So. <laughs> no, okay, okay, so I'm the host. Okay, let's take it away. Are you nervous for your first podcast, uh, Sebastian? I mean, it's it's a big thing, huh? <laughs> like, this is this this thing has a reach of like probably somewhere in the hundreds. Really? No, 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 not even. Not even? No, way more exclusive. <laughs> it's like like ten exclusive people like listen to this podcast. Yeah, so. it's like my mom. Do you have any well, family well, that listens I, I, to it? Like last time I I was in your podcast, I I got a friend of mine. And he sent me a text like, hey, <laughs> good job. Was so, it well, Feta? No, no, it was, a, it was an old roommate of mine. Yeah. All right, so welcome to Catching Up. We are at the front of the Maersk Trader right now. And I'm here with, you no, need you to, to do the open. You okay. need to do it. This okay. is your, okay, and explain well, what's happening. Like yeah, you can't yeah. be a guest twice. No, no, okay. So what's going on, Reinder? So welcome everybody to the, I think I think it's already like the 20th podcast. How, how where are we? Which one, which number are we then? We've done more than 10. We've done more than 10. So so we're we're in our 10s, you know? Like so the podcast is reaching maturity. We're, we're putting we're putting like more and more out. So um, yeah, we hope you enjoy them. Welcome to the new episode. Uh, yeah, it might be a, a new voice like hosting it, but it actually has a reason because I was in this podcast before. Uh, and Dan told me, who normally hosts the podcast, like, hey, man, there are some rules. This this stuff is exclusive. You can't be a guest twice. So we found this way that I'm like a sort of a sidekick for this uh, episode. So I'm allowed to, uh, well, I have the honors to do the intros. So I'm here with Sebastian Aru, who's actually been here for already eight weeks on board of uh, the Musk Trader. Eight weeks but, going yeah. on, to nine, on nine. Yeah. And Dan Vanderkoy. Oh boy, yeah, you, got, you have to love that that American accent with that with a Dutch name, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we're we're currently on the on the bridge deck of the Merce Trader. Uh, this is the second podcast live from the GPGP. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. How about you guys? Yeah, good. This is uh, trip two for Sebastian and I. Uh, we spent quite a lot of time together over the last two months and uh yeah it's been good sebastian what what do you what do you think of it all so far uh well first of all hello everyone thanks for uh inviting me to your podcast <laughs> uh <laughs> it's going horribly wrong but i love it <laughs> no it's true it's true it's been it's been eight weeks it's been great uh, I think there's been a lot of uh, ups and downs during uh, this whole project in general, you know. Uh, I think we started um, with a lot of speed bumps, you know, like not knowing exactly how everything was going to go and uh, things are going a lot smoother now. And uh, I think there's been a, a lot of uh, lessons that we've all learned in general. So I'm really happy to be here. I'm, I'm like, I'm happy to stay for a second trip. thought it was going to be too much to do three months, but 
has been the right, right amount of time, I think. Yeah, because you've been offshore earlier, right? Before, yeah. Yeah, I've done, like, another project, you mean? Yeah, yes, like, correct. yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. was like mostly oil and gas or? It was mostly wind farm uh, off the east coast of uh, New England in, uh, in the US, you know, east coast. So, but I mean, the longest I've done was also three months, but it was, it was way too much. You know, I realized three months was my limit at that time. But in, the, in this project, it seems to be going a lot faster and it's not, uh, it's not terrible, you know? It's good, it's good. And what, what's your role out here, Sebastian? Why are you traveling along with Ocean Cleanup on this project? So uh, I'm here as the uh, PSO, which stands for Protected Species Observer. I'm here to basically maintain constant uh, watch on the water and make sure no protected animals are being entrapped or entangled in the nets or in the system by accident. I think that was a, a big concern from the beginning. So. Uh, the ocean cleanup decided to get two PSOs, one, one per vessel to increase visibility, like our range of visibility. And uh, yeah, that's, that's basically my, my uh, well, as well as like keeping, keeping a record of like other, other animals that we see in the area to like have an idea of what, what's around and what's not around, you know, what, what we have to deal with in terms of uh, uh, mitigation. You know, if we see birds that are diving a lot around the system, we have to, uh, to, to make sure to, to watch out for them as well. You know, if there's a lot of large protected uh, or, or fish that are listed under uh, international law, it's also a good, a good idea to keep an eye, an eye on them. That's, that's why I'm here. So what, what have you observed so far? You, I, being out here for two months, yeah. you've had plenty of time to see what's really happening out here. What, what is really happening out here? In terms of uh, wildlife or in terms of the project or everything? Well, yeah, and wildlife, like in terms of what you've seen okay. wildlife-wise. Yeah, so uh, wildlife-wise, I've seen, I've seen a lot, uh, especially during transit. Mo most of the wildlife, it's closer to the coast. As soon uh, as we start getting uh, further and further offshore, uh, the, amount of the, the abundance of animals, the diversity starts going down. But there's still some uh, animals that are like common in the area that we see uh, every, every couple of days. In all honesty, there's not a lot of uh, sightings day to day, you know, especially marine mammals. On, on our last trip, we only saw uh, two, we had two or three sightings which were marine mammals. You know, everything else was birds that we saw every, every day or every couple of days. What are you seeing in the water? Like I got to imagine birds are not really going to necessarily get in the way of the system too much. But what are the things that we are watching out for and that and, and are we seeing anything out here or is this pretty much like a desert? <laughs> it is. It is like a desert out here for sure. Um, so far, since we got to the actual project site, me and the other PSO and the other vessel have not seen any uh, marine mammals. Uh, we do see fish now and then, not that many right now. And birds, we do see birds every couple of days, mainly albatross uh, and boobies, you know. Uh, but the risk of, of a bird getting trapped in the system are, are very slim, you know, very small. Um, they're not really uh, a huge concern for us, you know. We, uh, we definitely spend more time looking at the water and what's in the water than, than at the birds. Uh, 
like flying like above the water, you know. But even the fish, like Rinder, we're we're towing this thing at maximum 1.5 knots, right? Yeah. Is, is it even a threat? Like, are we looking at like a uh, Finding Nemo situation here, where fish are getting caught in the net and we're going that fast, or is is this something that we need to really? not be concerned about we are concerned about it but when we go out there and do the inspections and we're seeing the fish swimming faster than the system mm -hmm. that's sort of by design right yeah of course i mean i don't anyone who tried to to catch a fish with a fishnet will probably know that you have to be fast with the fishnet in order to catch the fish if you're going there just with a constant speed ahead uh, you're you're not very likely to catch the fish that's basically what we're doing. We're going very constant through the water ahead at the same speed. Uh, you know, the thing is visible day and night. At night we have the lights on the net. Um, and once you're there, you literally see the fish just, when they're there, swimming in and out, swimming underneath, swimming back and forth. So, yeah, the, it's by design that that we made it that way and that we chose this speed as well in order to, to not catch fish. But what we are catching is what we're sitting here staring at right now is tons and tons of plastic. And you saw this happen firsthand. You saw, you saw the catch firsthand the other day. Describe the moment, describe your feelings, describe what happened the first time you saw this massive thing get pulled onto the deck of the tender. Yeah, it was a very special moment. Um, now that I think back of it, I, I get like the same goosebump feeling, you know, and starting to get a little bit emotional as well, I guess. Um, because you see, you see all things coming together, not only in terms of the technology working, but also in terms of the problem that is out there becomes really tangible if you see like this retention zone full with plastic coming on board. But also the impact that we have and that we can have is very visible. So that all comes together and that's, well, that's, that's, that's not only a lot of years of hard work and perseverance, but also, you know, uh, personally I think that just the option to be there and witness it firsthand is very special and also like well the people who made this possible you know like the donors and stuff like that we're all we're all able to do this by those people so yeah that that, that, all, that all comes together in that one moment so it, it makes it very diverse and very special you know one thing that that we've talked about a lot is the fact that you're on the second trip right now there was a six-week trip that Sebastian and I were on prior to this one where we were also catching a lot of plastic, but we were also doing a lot more testing. How did the first trip set up for you in terms of the knowledge that was gained through FEDA and you know, the guys that were on the trader and the, and the tender for the six weeks prior to you getting on board? Yeah, without them solving teething problems and without them fixing stuff, we wouldn't have witnessed this moment. That's that's reality, you know. Like, there's there's always stuff that goes wrong. There's always stuff that 
that you don't anticipate. And those guys went through it, they fixed it, uh, they persevered. Um, and well, that, that makes this trip a lot easier because we know stuff already. Um, they figured out stuff um, so that we don't have to. So yeah, um, big thanks to those guys. And actually they were the ones who first caught plastic. So I imagine that for them to be even more special than, than it was for me just describing it. Yeah. Yeah. And Sebastian, you've been a part of this for both trips too. How cool has this been for you to meet people like Feta and people like Reinder and, and people like Kenny and, and Fraser and, and get to work up close and personal with a project like this, as opposed to maybe some of the other stuff that you've done in the past? Uh, it's, it's been really exciting, honestly. And, uh, we, we got we got lucky with the crew for sure. I think, uh, it, like you said, you know, it's it's a different. I mean, it's not an, ind an industry. You know, like the work that I've done before was for for the green industry, like green energy industry, wind farm industry. Uh, this is more of a. It's completely different. You know, I didn't know what to expect at all when when coming here, and uh, it's been it's been a like a like a happy surprise and a, and a good experience. Um, being able to go on, on deck and see how everything's put together was really exciting too, and uh, it definitely helped me like uh, understand how everything was going to work and how I could also do my, my job better. So, uh, and everyone was really welcoming, you know. And you know, if I have question about like the system, how's going to work, how fast it's going to tow at night or during the day, you know, and all all these things affect how uh, the system's going to behave and. In terms of like like wildlife, uh, like getting insistent to it, all these factors are important, you know. So being able to, to work with with a team that is open and and uh, and likes to work together, it's it's good, you know. It's, it's been positive. Yeah, and and one of the things for me that I've always found that's so amazing about the story of the ocean cleanup is the transparency and and the fact that we bring guys like you and and girls like Caroline and and your sister out here to. As, as third party, like we're not, we're not trying to get in your way. We want to see as much as you do how these systems work and, and how we can design it better. We're not in the business of catching fish. We're not in the business of catching endangered species. We're in the business of catching plastic. Do you, do you sense that as, as sort of an outsider from like Rinder and Feta and the ocean cleanup? Absolutely, yes. I think, I think uh, that also, is a big contrast with other projects that I've worked worked on. Like you said, people here were excited to are excited to see wildlife. They're excited to, uh, you know, to get the full experience of working offshore. You know, um, when you work for wind farm or you work for oil and gas, I don't have experience in oil and gas, but I, I know from from other colleagues that I've worked with. You know, the experience of a PSO is completely different. You know, there's this idea that the PSO is there as an enforcer. You know, and is there to like like uh, put like roadblocks in, in their work you know it's it, it's like wasting the time of, of the client or you know because in the end every time we shut down and and have to like pause for mitigation it does it, it might take like anything from like 30 minutes to hours you know or like or days if the conditions are not favorable for for continued monitoring so so our role is different our relationships with with the people are different i'm not saying they're always negative but it, it's, it's a different dynamic and here um, I think uh, it's in general we're always there to uh, to make sure 
that that uh, no animal first no animals are harmed and second that the client does not get in trouble you know for catching or harming an animal that is protected and here uh, the idea is the same you know we're, we're not here to uh, to make uh, the project more complicated we're just here to make sure no animals are harmed and that the project can go on smoothly and and that we can catch as much plastic as possible I don't know I think it's important to point out that PSOs are not required by law to, to be on this vessel. You know, uh, I think it's, it's, it's voluntarily uh, chosen by, by TOC to have uh, biologists on watch and to make sure like nothing's being caught in the system, you know. Uh, but like you said, TOC is choosing to be transparent and voluntarily chose to have biologists here to, to minimize impact on, on the environment, you know. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's really important to, uh, yeah. to point out. No, I agree because I, I just read the comments on uh, the video that went out about the extraction that that happened during trip two, um, and you, you sc I scroll down them, you know, just to see like what people are saying. It, it gives me a boost a lot of times, like people saying, "Hey, good job, congrats, you know, congratulations." But there were also like surprisingly like several people saying, "Wow, this looks so clean. This is fake. <laughs> you threw it in yourself," you know. And I think that's that's one side of the of the of the story. I mean. We absolutely didn't do that, um, but I think the Anybody other side... Anybody that thinks that we <laughs> threw plastic into the ocean just to clean it up with this system, I think there's bigger issues going on than that. Like, that clearly is ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, but absolutely. But what, what I was building onto, you know, was that's plastic. But if they start doing the same with marine mammals, mm -hmm. like... No, that's that's like we got Sebastian here, like to to really um, objectively like observe and report what's going on with the interaction with marine life on our system, and I think I think that's vital, um, not just to be transparent, but also for us internally as an organization to enable us to do our work correct, to enable us to to do good to the environment um, yeah. in the best possible way. Yeah. And, and Reinder, how do you take that, like working with PSOs? How do you take that back to the ocean team? Or how does the ocean team take that into future designs? Like what feedback can guys like Sebastian give that can help when you guys are coming up with the next generation of Jenny? Yeah, that's that's mostly related, I think, to to being able to, to let the PSO do its his or her work as effectively as possible. Uh, so making sure that, that that we got the right mitigation measures in place. And if Sebastian now says, hey, you know, looking at these lights, it's not enough, we need to do more, then for sure we embrace that, that feedback and we implement it in the next design. Uh, same holds, for example, for the underwater cameras and stuff like that. Uh, if Sebastian now says, for example, uh, well, during the night I cannot see that much, uh, we need to have brighter lights, better cameras, I don't know. Uh, we take that on board. Um, because ultimately, of course, uh, like you said as well, we, we, want to do, we want to do good to the environment. So, yeah. yeah. I, th I, th I honestly, I, I think Sebastian is the second most powerful man on board of this vessel, actually. <laughs> I mean, he, he and the captain can completely shut down its entire operation. Yeah, but that's a good point. Like, you, you do have this power, like, and you, you've not needed it. 
And and with with a project this size floating around in in the water, there is going to be bycatch. Is it better or worse than what you've expected in the few dumps and and extractions that we've that we've done? Yeah, that that's right. There is there is inevitably going to be bycatch. You know, especially uh, long term. You know, you we don't know what to expect, but it's we're. Uh, I think the idea is to like try to minimize like the amount of wildlife that is being caught and especially try to minimize the amount of like endangered species that are being caught you know and so far we haven't caught any endangered species which, which is great you know it's it's, it's, it's uh, and we don't expect to catch any either but uh, yeah the uh, the amount of fish that are being caught in the system is, is minimal really it's it's a really small amount and I think we we all were really surprised that um, we I think on the first tow, there were, I think the first tow was about one ton or, or close to a ton and, um, of plastics and there, were, there was only 10 kilograms of bycatch, mostly small fish. And some of these fish uh, are returned back in the water and harmed, you know, so it's not, it's not an issue. Um, and then some, some do, do die. On the second tow, I think it was around 3,500, 3,500 kilograms of plastics and only five kilograms of, uh, <clears throat> of bycatch. And uh, I definitely expected us to catch a lot more, you know. Um, it's, it's really a very, very small amount that we're, we're catching here. Yeah, I, I just checked uh, the figures for last extraction. It was 3.8 tons of plastic and four and a half kilos of bycatch. That's yeah. That's also that's also a really small amount. You know, um, like 4.5 kilos. It's it's not even like like one large fish. You know, it's 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 really small uh, amount of fish that we catch. And, and of course, we're gonna have critics out there, and there's gonna be people that talk. And there's going to be moments where not everything can always go perfectly. But when you see the amounts of plastic that we are pulling out of the water already just in the testing phase and with the idea to only scale this and get larger and larger and larger. As a marine biologist, how does it make you feel even thinking that possibly one day there could be something that's caught there, but at the expense of tons and tons and tons and tons of plastic? Right. Um I've, I've thought about a lot about this and I've discussed this with like other people here on the vessel and every time I tell them the same thing, you know, there is, I think there's a, a cost to any effort that, that comes with like, like whether it is like green energy, you know, or, or, or like, like cleanups, like, like in this case, you know, there, there's a cost, for instance, you know, like wind farms kill a lot of birds during migrations, you know, they, a lot of birds hit the, uh, the the arms of the wind for uh, the uh, the propellers. the propellers you know and 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 they kill a lot of birds but is that going to make us um, stop building uh, wind farms I think there's a big debate you know and there's a lot of controversy you know mm -hmm. and um, uh, I I still think that um, that we need to adapt you know we need to like find ways to reduce the amount of uh animals that, that are hurt you mm -hmm. know the amount of uh wildlife that it's that it's harmed but doesn't mean that we should completely stop uh developing this technology that's 
that's uh, like doing doing good. You know, uh, like for instance, in this in this case with plastics, you know, like you said, we are catching a lot of plastic. It's 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 a crazy amount. You know, you don't really see that much at the surface, but once you start looking carefully, you see so so many like like pieces like flowing underwater. You know, like large ghost nets, big buckets. You know, and like crates and, and other things. You know, so. Um, there, there's going to be a cost, and I think that cost, at least where it is right now, it's it's completely worth it. You know, it's it's uh, you know the amount of wildlife that are being harmed by the plastics being here, it's so much greater than what we're catching as bycatch right now. You know, like the animals that are ingesting these plastics. You know, the whales that are ingesting the plastics, the fish that are ingesting like microplastics. You know, and animals that are being entangled in. in in ghost nets um, and, and are dying here. You know, it's it's far greater than whatever we're catching as as a result of, of towing. You know, by, by accident. Um, you know, birds birds pick up plastics from from the beach or from the water, thinking there there's fish. You know, especially when like fish stocks like like being uh, depleted around the world and and they bring it back to the, back to their chicks and they they kill they die. You know, because they're not they're not able to digest them and and they're, they don't get the, the, the nutrients that they need, you know. So, yeah, to answer your question, yes, I, th I think the cost that, that of, of, uh, of uh, towing, in this case, like catching, getting bycatch, at this point, it's, it's worth it, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not much. Yeah, yeah I, I, I totally agree. Um, it's not at all what we're intending to do. It's, I mean, who would want to do that? But when you do see how much plastic we are pulling out, it shocked me too the first time. I, I, you can't even believe how much plastic there is. And uh, you, it, it's just that question that pops in your head. It's like, I would hate to be on the receiving end of that you know, phone call when, if something happens. But on the other hand, it's like you said, it's for the greater good. Um, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting thought to think about. Yeah, then uh, just just building upon your comment that you said uh, it's amazing to see how much plastic is out here. I mean, you're a senior video producer. Uh -huh. you, you've seen most projects done by the ocean cleanup. Um, yet this is your first time offshore. Uh -huh. You've seen absolutely disgusting rivers, and now you're here in the ocean. Like, how do these two things compare? This one messes with my brain a lot more. Even though with the rivers, I see a lot more plastic and I see a lot more trash and waste in rivers. I think just the fact that you're on land, it makes more sense. Being out here, knowing that we have traveled for six days in a boat in the middle of the ocean, and then we stop in this place and I see things like laundry baskets and toothbrushes I, you, you know, you expect to see buoys, you expect to see ghost nets, you expect to see things from the fishing industry because that's what's happening out here. It makes sense. It falls off of a boat, it blows away offshore, whatever the case is. The thing that shocks me every time is when I see something that is like, it's the, it's the cliche one that everybody talks about, but yet I've seen 15 of them, is the toothbrush. The toothbrush makes no sense to me. Like the, there's so many toothbrushes out here even straws I don't see very many straws I don't see very many things that like you know you're you're told oh you're gonna see this you're gonna see that 
but the toothbrush just really stands out to me and 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 then just seeing the amounts of it because again the other part of this is I was the same way as a lot of the crew were the first time when we got out here you know I wake up in the morning sun starts coming up we're in the Great Pacific garbage patch I expected to walk out on this bridge and just see amounts like what I see when I'm you know on the Klang or the Rio Zom or down in Guatemala patches of just massive amounts of plastic and you don't but then the more that you train yourself as you get closer to the water in the middle of the day and you can look past that top layer of water that's when you see this broken down plastic down there and you see um, pieces of larger pieces of plastic and bottles and caps and stuff like that and it just it it does it does blow your mind a little bit so that that i can't make sense of the six day trip and then still seeing so much plastic and that's why when you see it all come out like you had a moment on on the the deck of the tender where you know you got emotional because it's all the work and everything where you see your work coming together and and it works and you're like holy shit, it works. It's amazing. It's amazing. All, all five years of thinking and five years of this. And the first time I had it with FEDA too, I was sitting up there. We were, we were one level up looking at this and you see this bubble, this massive bubble that if you were just scrolling through the internet and you saw this, you would say they caught a whale or they caught so much fish that it's just flying out of the, the, the net. And when you look at it and it's, plastic buckets and crates and ghost nets and all of this stuff it just doesn't make sense things just don't add up in your head and then and I found myself also getting a little bit like choked up like wow you guys did it you did it like your team over the years watching this like I go back to times where we were in Alameda and you know you see this massive pipe sitting on this yard and you think yeah this is pretty cool this technology and this is going to work and then you know following your ride over the last years has been incredible i mean i have to imagine like for you like i can't even imagine getting into your head and how you felt or how feta felt sitting there and seeing this stuff mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was special yeah yeah it was very special and then you talked a lot, a lot about emotions and impressions. And I'm always curious, man, if, if when I hear about you, um, your work that you do, how do you bring across that message? Like, how, how can you bring across these, these feelings, these, these emotions, these impressions of, of how it is out here and how it is to see the trash on board? How can you put it in a picture or a video for social media or YouTube? Well, a lot of times it's just you're in the moment. Like being, you have to be in the moment to, to capture the moment. So hanging out with you, hanging out with FEDA, hanging out with the river team as much as I do and getting to know them, not just like showing up and, hey, we're going to film this and staging stuff and like we we you see how it goes like through the years we've become like you know we're more than just colleagues at the ocean cleanup like you get to know these people deep down and then it becomes so comfortable for you to have a camera in your face when it comes to these times and and you get you're you're comfortable with me and that's what makes it it's not me that does it it's you being comfortable with the fact that 
we're there. Flo's the same way. Flo knows you guys. The other camera guy and Val, like we all, we're all like a family. So it's like, if you have a brother or sister that's always taking pictures, just by default, you don't think twice about it. But it is funny because then you get out here with, with all these new people and you find yourself having to kind of have to put it on a little bit at first to, to convince them. And, and people that I think about that, that we're breaking into this now, you mentioned him earlier, but one of, the, one of the most special characters I think that I can honestly say that I've met in my entire life is Ali. <laughs> and breaking through to Ali has been my challenge of the last eight weeks. If you would have seen me and Ali on the first day at the port, Ali was not having it. He was not having a camera there. It was like, he kept looking at me like, what, why, what are you doing? Like, why are you here? Why are you filming the feta? Why is this? And then you slowly chip away at him and you chip away at him. And now Ali's coming up to me on the deck and wanting to talk to me on the camera. About, about meatballs. <laughs> about meatballs. He, giving me meatball recipes. Who describe? Please describe Ali from your perspective. I mean, there there have been moments over the last eight weeks that I've had with everybody that has been on these boats that have been moments you'll never forget about. But there's been one moment that's happened in the last week for me that just still blows my mind. When we were putting the sausages in the water, and all of a sudden I look up, and our captain is on the deck, on the ground, sitting next to Ollie, tying string around this ocean cleanup system as if these two guys had known each other for 50 years, just hamming it up, fixing a net. I, I had this out-of-body experience watching this. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah it was amazing. Yeah, and I, I really think that that speaks for, for the crew had that, you know, captain comes down, works together uh, with Ali on the net, just fixing stuff, coming up with, with ideas, having really good suggestions about how we should improve stuff. Um, but yeah, everybody, everybody is equal. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he wasn't just there for like, for like, like 20, 30 minutes, you know, he stayed yeah. there the whole day. Yeah, yeah. the he whole day. Until the system was completely deployed. Yeah, yeah, it was it was unbelievable, yeah. and and just the, what they their knowledge, I think that they saw that like Ali, of course. I mean, he's he knows this system like the back of his hand, but I think that the captain was so intrigued by this and intrigued by Ali, and the two of them just hit it off. I mean, yeah. they're still probably sitting behind us right now, staring at the back of our heads, wondering what these guys are doing on the front yeah. of this bridge. Yeah. So 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 just for the introduction about Ali, he he is a. Uh, the net technician on board mm -hmm. here on Trader. He takes care of uh, basically um, all the, the, the technical stuff related to Jenny, related to the system. So if there's something that needs fixing, Ali has the knowledge and the expertise to, to do that and also to show that to other people. Uh, like, so this is how you fix it. This is how you, how you um, connect two lines together. Um, because this is not normal offshore stuff. Now this is most of that. It's it's um, it's related to fishing technology. It's not fishing technology as in catching fish, but we use their knowledge about lines uh, and netting and, and products uh, in order to catch plastic. 
Yeah. So Ali has all that knowledge. Uh, he worked on Nets since he was 10, you know. So he's one of those guys which is just, how do you say it, priceless or yeah. in invaluable? Invaluable. And, and the captain too. He's, his whole background is fishing. And, and I, I found it fascinating. I don't know if you heard this morning, but he's like, hey, can you send me some pictures? I want to send them to my dad. I've been telling my dad all about this. I mean, word is spreading <laughs> through the older fishing community. <laughs> Yeah. No, so, so, you know, it's really cool and you feel that those guys are all on board with the mission. Uh, and I think I, I felt a sort of a change when they saw the pictures about the plastic. Absolutely. Know? Then they were like, oh, okay. Oh, so, so there is a lot of rubbish out there. Yeah. Okay. So we actually do clean it up. Yeah. All right. And you felt like you felt the vibe improving. I mean, it was good before, but yep. it got even better. Yep. We had the same thing on the first trip, Sebastian. You remember, like, there was a lot of drama around the first couple of weeks of, of mm -hmm. putting the system in, it not, like, having to do something, pull the system back out. Yeah. And some of these crew guys were like, what are these guys doing? What's going on? But I remember the first time going out there when there was plastic in the net, Veda and I went to do an inspection. And I remember it was uh, Dave and, and Robert. Okay. And when they looked at the top of that net and they saw the plastic it was like a switch went off in their heads <laughs> and immediately on the way back we were stopping and Robert was by hand trying to pick up every floating buoy basket piece of microplastic between the system and the boat and stick awesome. it on the boat it was just like he it was like he got it all of a sudden because you see it and when you see it with your own eyes that's when that that magic happens that's right I, th I think a lot of people were skeptical you know when when we first started doing this and uh i think including myself you know i, I didn't know how how efficient it was going to be you know especially like you said you know you come here and you expect to see an island of, of plastic floating you know extending over to the horizon and and it's not like that you know you see like scattered plastic here and there but most of it the bulk of it is is floating right under the surface you know and it's, a, it's an insane amount, it's a crazy amount, and uh, being it in, seeing it inside the system completely changed the attitude, the attitude of everyone in, in the vessel. Reinder, you've really been through it all at the Ocean Cleanup, and now I don't want to keep uh, bringing it up, but to share that moment with you on the back deck, how monumental was that for you personally? I talked to Feta a lot about this also. When you think about your place in history for this world. I'm always comparing this to, for me, this is the closest I'll ever get to being an astronaut. <laughs> We're on a spaceship right now. We've traveled to this place that you can't survive unless you're in the spaceship. We're doing massive experiments and massive good for a planet. And it, it's the closest I'll ever be to being an astronaut. Yeah, like, actually, people in the International Space Station will probably be, a lot of times, the closest people to us, yeah. like in distance-wise. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah, it's like 400 kilometers above the Earth. Don't tell me this stuff, because it only <laughs> boosts my brain now. But, but when you think about this, and, and your place in history on this planet, that, that we've done a pretty good job as humans, getting to this place that we need to put out a system to clean up all this plastic. How will you one day pass this on to kids, your kids, mm. 
nephews, whatever the case is. You have been a monumental part of this history. Yeah. I think just as the problem was created by a lot of people and the, the problem is affecting a lot of people and the entire planet, it will also be solved by a lot of people. We can do this together. If everybody gets on board, we can do this. And, and we got this far by working together. Um, that's how I look back on the, on the last six years. Yeah, that's cool. All right, Sebastian, so the last thing. Two trips out here to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, hanging out with a bunch of ocean cleanup pirates. What's been the best experience that you've had on these trips? Honestly, I think the best experience was when we finally, because during the first trip, we had to deploy, retrieve, deploy, retrieve several times. You know, it was weeks of like effort to try to get this right and to get the skip to work. You know, the, the day that we actually deployed the system for the first time and started towing, I, I was really excited, you know, I was really happy. Uh, not even like the, the day that we first saw the plastic coming out, just the first day of like towing the system, seeing the system towing, uh, being towed in the water and like plastic going in, I think, I think that, was, that was a great feeling, you know? Yeah, and Reinder, I know what yours is, so I'm not even gonna ask it and you don't need to even talk about it anymore, but what I wanna know from you is, what are you doing next? Where do you go from this experience, this, this chapter sort of ending yeah. for, for your role here? What, what's next for you? Yeah, so I, I didn't want to bring it up previously, um, but um, no, after, after working on, on the ocean system for quite some years, and now being here, seeing the plastic coming on board, seeing that the stuff works, that we seeing that we have an impact it's not just a little bit of plastic eh? now it's a lot that really closes a chapter for me um, so I'm not done with plastic pollution <laughs> so I'm very excited to go start at rivers um, and to start tackling some some rivers there um, and, and to hopefully I can I can be of added value to the team. It's it's a great team. There are already a lot of smart people, um, but I hope to uh, yeah to to do my part there, starting off uh, December this year. And on behalf of the River team at the Ocean Cleanup, we are psyched to have you come over. I I can't wait to see. I've spent so much time with this river team and I love, I love this project so much. I love interceptors. I love all the new interceptor solutions. I love the people and the fit, the way I see it fitting in my head for you, I cannot wait to watch you and Jasper and Renata and the rest of this team and what's, and what's coming. It's going to be incredible to watch. That's one of the things I love the most about working with the ocean cleanup is just watching you guys and your brains and how they work and you have these insanely crazy ideas and then I find myself on a boat in the middle of the 
Great Pacific Garbage Patch, or I find myself floating on an interceptor in the dirtiest rivers in on the planet, or just insane places. It's it's so much fun. So, yeah, it's going to be super exciting to see what you guys are going to do there. I, I can't wait. Well, that's all that we have for this show. We have been floating around the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, and wait, why am I doing this? Yeah, I was I was trying to interrupt you, but <laughs> yeah, you, you've been in the Never zone. Never mind. Yeah. I mean, Rinder. Yeah. So when we started, the sun was still still on the horizon. Now it's gone under. The stars are coming up. It's actually a sight that you can, uh, well, that never gets boring. And I think Sebastian agrees. Absolutely. Uh, and so does Dan, who is now an offshore veteran on his second trip. So the big question then, yes, are you staying on for a third? No, I'm not, because Ollie's not. I promised Ollie if he stayed for a third trip, I would stay for a third trip. And he's not. Ollie's become my spirit animal. <laughs> you can't say that about a person. Sure I can. <laughs> Have you met Ollie? Ollie is seriously my spirit animal. Okay, he's my spirit. I, I, a, what can I call him? He's like, he's not, he's not old enough to, to have been my father. He's too old to have been a brother. Your mentor. Uncle, maybe? Like Uncle Ali? Young Uncle. Young Uncle Ali. Uncle Ali. <laughs> Uncle Ali. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, but no, I'm not staying. I have, I have loved every single second of this, and I have slept the best I've slept my entire life, and I will never, ever not come back to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch with the ocean cleanup. Anytime something's going on out here, I will always be open to coming out here. But for me, three months is a long time and I'm so excited to get back to the river team especially with you joining like I I'm laying in bed now and I'm thinking Jamaica Guatemala stuff starting in Africa Southeast Asia is going to open up again it's it's such a ride man it's so fun and and so I'm getting pumped about I can't wait to be back in Jamaica and see this stuff working it also feels like a good time to stop yeah I can see them. Close the chapter. Yeah. It was actually very cool to catch up with you guys uh, out here on Trader in the middle of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. In the meantime, we probably caught 100 kilos of plastic. At hopefully. Least. Yeah, at least. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening. Tune in next time again. And maybe there will be a different sidekick then. I, I don't know what Dan has in, in store. Ali. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Ali, for sure. For sure. There will be a new episode. There will be a new chapter. Not only at the Ocean Cleanup, but also for this podcast. Thank you very much. And until next time. Thank you. Goodbye. That's a wrap. <laughs> Man, you're a really good podcast host. Seriously, you should start your own You podcast. should have a podcast. We're <laughs> <No. laughs> so. sure you put the uh, memory card in there? Oh, did I hit record? <laughs> <laughs>